Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I am your host, Pastor Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministries in Southwest Louisiana. I hope you are doing extravagantly well today, and I hope your soul is well and your body is well, and I'm super stoked to be with you guys all this uh, this week, uh, live on Hebrew Nation and recorded and archived also at Hebrew Nation Online at outofashesministries.org and on iTunes, Google Podcast, all the all the places, all the places you go to get your stuff that you like, <laughs> your info and and all that stuff. Um, hey, it's great to be with everybody. Uh, if it's your first time dropping in, just let me say thanks and uh, hope that you enjoy your time with us here today on Image Bearers Radio. And uh, if you are a longtime listener and follower, thank you guys so much for being an incredible community and for helping us to spread uh, this community and this message. And uh, we appreciate you guys so very, very, very much. We have folks listening from all over the world, and I think that's super duper incredible. Uh, Most of you have not ever been to where our ministry is located in southwest Louisiana. Some of you have, but you know that it's pretty much as middle of nowhere as you can possibly get. <laughs> and so the fact that we uh, have access to and are able to to communicate and to commune and to build fellowship with so many folks all over the place is just absolutely uh, phenomenal to me. It's breathtaking. And, uh, and I appreciate it very, very much. I appreciate Hashem for it, and I appreciate you for it as well. So a uh, couple of really big things coming up. It's. I told you a couple of months ago that uh, after Sukkot, you know, to enjoy the rest because, and I say this every year, because uh, the rest doesn't last for long. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, Purim is coming up for those of you who celebrate Purim. And uh, if you don't celebrate with a group or, you know, in any kind of traditional way, um, it's a great time to at least review the story, Megillah Esther, uh, and uh, especially in our time right now, talking about Haman and the wisdom of Mordecai and Esther and all that is uh, is so appropriate uh, for our world. I would say today, but really anytime, it's appropriate always. And so at least, you know, take a look, read the story a couple times, read Esther a couple times, and I, I think that uh, Hashem will speak to you. Uh, through it, and then, guys, not but a few weeks, and we are in Pesach season. Uh, well, we're in it already, but it'll be Pesach will be here. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Pesach coming up in the next couple weeks. But um, I wanted to just remind you, you guys, uh, that we have an Adar bet, uh, a 13th month this month. So Pes- uh, Pesach will be in April, and uh, I hope you're 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 ready. You're getting your heart ready. And then we go to Unleavened Bread and uh, the Counting of the Omer and Shavuot. And then before you know it, it'll be Sukkot again. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, so a lot of good stuff coming up, a lot of busy stuff coming up. Hey, if you uh, don't have fellowship, 
and you're looking for some place to connect, we live stream our services uh, every Shabbat at 10 a.m. Central Time, uh, just about without fail. Uh, and unless we have some kind of technical issue or something. So uh, join us at outofashesministries.org on Facebook or on YouTube. And all that stuff's are archived as well. We've got tons and tons of teaching, several years of teachings if you're interested in anything. And uh, so join us, uh, especially on Facebook. We have a really active chat. Uh, and so if you're looking for someplace to connect or if you just want to see a face to the voice, uh, then hang out with us uh, on Shabbat at 10 a.m. Central. Uh, all right, let's get into this week's episode, but as we always do, before we do that, uh, let's ask uh, the Father's blessing on our time here together. Avinu Shabashmayim, our Father in heaven. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King. We are overwhelmed and so incredibly fortunate to be able to be with you and to be with each other today as we discuss your word and as we look to see where we can bear your image greater. Bless us today, Father, we ask. Everybody. So today we are, uh, I think this is two weeks in a row now. I'm scared of us, but we are, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that generally we, um, if I do a Parsha uh, on the episode, on the weekly episode, it's generally like a week behind, uh, sometimes even two weeks behind. And uh, this week, I think, and last week, I'm not sure, we're actually on in the Parsha for this week. Woohoo! And so I'm excited about this week's Parsha. Um, this is my favorite book altogether uh, of the scriptures, and I, uh, I'm challenged by it. I, uh, you know, I, um, I wrestle with it even still, and it is just a fountain of knowledge and wisdom uh, that I can't get enough of. And so this week's Parsha is Vayikra, of course. It is the opening Parsha of the book that bears its name, uh, the book of Leviticus, which we call Leviticus in English, but in Hebrew is Vayikra. And we're going to talk a lot about two words uh, today. I really want to focus on on two words, and uh, that's really going to be the, 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 really the whole thing about this, this show. The whole theme of this show is going to be two words um, and they're going to be the first two words of the Parsha. So if we open up to Vayikra 1, uh, we see the words. Or you may have three words in yours. It depends on kind of your translation or uh, what, what you're using. But you'll see uh, either he called or and he called. Uh, and he called is uh, a connection back to the end of Shemot of Exodus, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I want to talk about He Called. And I, I, I think about this every year when this Parsha rolls around and any time really that I'm studying Vayikra. And uh, I think about, you know, my, I think about my personal life first. And you guys know on the show I talk about my personal life a lot because the only one I really know is me. Uh, and, and, I, and, and, he, and yet 
sometimes I think I know me, and uh, I'm deceiving myself. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a topic for another episode. But this this book of Vaikra has been a uh, an interesting part of Scripture my entire life, and I think for many of us who grew up in uh, Protestant evangelicalism uh, or you know, a different tradition other than uh, a, a pronomian, you know, Hebraic or, or Jewish tradition. Uh, Vaikra sits in a weird place. Um, so generally, the book of Leviticus, generally, um, we, you know, we do the Bible in a year, right? We do the Bible reading in a year, and um, we start in Bereshit in Genesis, and there's some really cool stuff in there. There's, you know, a lot of our Sunday school stories come from just the first few chapters of, of Genesis. And so it's really interesting. And, you know, we, we get you know, some genealogies that we skip past. But for the most part, we, we read the book of Genesis in its completion. And uh, then we get right into Exodus. And and Exodus, of course, is you know is is like a Steven Spielberg movie on you know in ancient times. It's it's fire and it's plagues and it's kings and war and you know all these supernatural things and all this crazy stuff. And it, it gets to be really interesting until you get to about chapter twenty two or twenty three. Well, really, let's say twenty one. Um, until you get to about chapter twenty one. Uh, and then it's a bunch of laws, right? And uh, laws about slavery and, uh, you know, about selling people and this and that. And then we get into the laws of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. And, yeah, the cubits and the, you know, the art cover and the curtains and the, all that stuff. And so we, but again, just like the book of Bereshit, we we read the majority of it, you know, if we're doing our Bible reading in a year. And so we're cooking along, and we we feel good about ourselves. Um, we've struggled through some tough parts, like the genealogies and stuff, but, you know, overall we've made it. When we talk about, we start talking about cubits and this and that, we read it, we're not really engaged, but our eyes track down the page and across the page, down the next column, and we get through it. And we feel good about ourselves. We've done our we've done our thing. We haven't engaged it, but we've read it at least. We've you know we've done the we've done the thing. And then we get to the book of Leviticus, and boy, do we get bogged down right in the book of Leviticus? Do we get bogged down? And so, like, I don't know how you've done it. Maybe you have read it, and good on you if you have. But I, every time I've read through the Bible in its completion, I. I always get to the book of Leviticus and I just kind of skim the headings and kind of go like, okay, yeah, you know, whatever. Or I do that 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 checkout thing where, again, you know, my eyes are scanning the words, but I have no idea what it's talking about. And I'm not really interested enough to go and like actually stop and dig out some commentary or, or go online and look and see like, what in the world are we talking about? What's going on? And how in the world am I supposed to read this for me today? So, you know, it's it's important. We know that the book of Leviticus is super important because it is, uh, you know, it's a book of the Bible, right? And so we shouldn't we shouldn't treat it lackadaisically, but we do. And you know, and we shouldn't think it's unimportant. I don't I don't know that anybody thinks it's unimportant. It's just that we it's just so foreign to us. It's so incredibly uh, archaic and yet detailed and boring in some places and complex 
and uh, you know, speaking a language and in a context that we don't really understand. So there's a there's a lot of uh, baggage, I guess, would be a good way to say it, that comes along with the book of Vayikra for a lot of believers, for a lot of Christians especially. And uh, so that's why I want to uh, this 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 episode is not going to be like a, a full all out breakdown on the book of Vayikra. I, I guarantee you, um, there are you know there are books that are hundreds and hundreds of pages long. Uh, that are treatments of the book of Vayikra, and uh, I'll, uh, if I remember, I'll try to give you uh, a couple, well, I'll just do it right now. Uh, uh, for one, if you can uh, go online and find Jacob Milgram, M-I-L-G-R-O-M, he is by far uh, the lead scholar on the book of Vayikra. He's a Jewish scholar uh, on the book of Vayikra, uh, rabbi and scholar. Uh, and his treatment of Vayikra is unbelievable. I think if you buy it, it comes in a few different versions. I have it digitally, so uh, but it comes in a few different volumes. And uh, Jacob Milgram is far and away the most helpful, most brilliant, uh, and just an incredible, incredible work on the book of Leviticus. If you're serious about this book, which I hope by the end of this episode you're encouraged to be serious about it, um, then, oh, that was thunder, if you just heard. We're in, a, in the middle of a thunderstorm as I'm recording, and that was a crack of thunder. Uh, so if you are interested in the book of Vayikra, that is the place to go to, uh, to, to start to dive into it. So let's talk about why Vayikra is important and should be important for us uh, as Torah-pursuant people, right? So in, in Christianity, um, we talk a lot—again, well, again, you know, everything that I say, and I say this every week— and I say it probably ad nauseum, but everything that we talk about is really based upon um, upon your background, where you came from. Because you know, I grew up in the Baptist church, and there's a language, there's a you know, there's a set of verses, there's a there's a you know, a, a doctrine, there's a theology there where you hear a certain vocabulary over and over, and there's a certain thing, right? I could walk into any Baptist church this Sunday and know exactly what they're preaching, where they're preaching from, what the point is, exact, you know, et cetera, et cetera, within about five or ten minutes. Um, and then I spent the last about uh, 10 or 15 years in kind of Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel, spirit-filled circles. And each of those, in its own right, has its own subculture, right, of Christianity. And it's, again, its own vocabulary and its own, you know, its own thing. And so... Um, depending on where you came from, uh, you might have experienced a lot of conversation about calling, right? About your calling. Um, it starts, of course, when you know when God calls us to salvation, and then there's this this work that is going on that's happening. Y'all, excuse the thunder. I'm sorry, but there's this work that's happening in us as we are called closer to God through Yeshua, and we're called to salvation and and then we, once we're saved, once we're born again, we're saved. We're you know we're new baby Christians. Then we have to figure out our our personal calling, right? Um, our personal calling is the the thing that you were born to do, the thing that you were born to do that throughout your life thus far without God you've managed not to do. Um, and now that you are a new child of God, now you have to find whatever your calling is. And you have to, you know, you have to submit to your calling and, and there's whole, you know, sermons and teachings about how your calling uh, makes room for you and your calling is unique and just for you and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
and, and all these different things. And what we tend to focus on when we're called is we tend to focus on a call to ministry. That's another call that we have. Um, you know, are you called to ministry or are you called to something else? And depending again on the circles that you're in, you know, that can be like a, that can be like almost a derogatory thing, like where certain people are called to ministry and other people are just called to something else, right? And it can be kind of like a, well, you know, um, everybody wants to be called to ministry. Um, I experienced this a lot, especially in, uh, you know, Pentecostal circles. Everybody wants to be in ministry. The, the pastor, the prophet, the five-fold ministry, which I believe there are really four, but the five-fold ministry um, is really where you, sh- that's really the call. And with the call usually comes an anointing, right? And so there's this whole system of theology uh, surrounding the calling uh, and, and the idea of being called and what God is calling you to do. Um, you know, I mean, we've all, I'm sure, had instances and relationships where, you know, we've, we, we've said for sure, or of course we've heard somebody else say, well, I feel like God is calling me to do this. And it may be a one-time thing, like, you know, I feel like God's calling me to, you know, go help at the, the food kitchen um, or, you know, the food pantry, or I feel like God's calling me to, you know, uh, volunteer here or there or whatever. And then it may also be a lifelong thing where I feel like God's calling me to missionary work or I feel like God's calling me to worship leading or, you know, what, whatever it might be. Um, and it's usually accompanied by a, a feeling. Um, and so there's just, again, there's a whole world to the idea of calling and to the sense of what does it mean for God to call and what does it mean to be called by God um, you know, what does his end look like? What, what does God do to call someone? And then how do we interpret or how, do, how does that get transmitted to us as a calling? Is it a feeling? Is it a word through a prophet or a friend? Is it, a, a, is it through a Bible verse or whatever it may be? And then how we respond. Um, so there's, there, again, there's all these different, you know, you might not have ever thought about it. You may have used this idea of calling and, and talked about God calling you to do X, Y, Z, and you may have never really thought about all that goes into it, and really how, I I hesitate to say this almost, but how much of the way we talk about quote-unquote calling is biblical, right? Um, Because we have whole schools, uh, ministry schools that are set up around your calling, and uh, your, or your calling may be to be a prayer warrior, which is not in Scripture, um, but there's whole, you know, educational tracks you can go about being a prayer warrior, about being a worship leader, of course, about being a pastor, or, you know, a prophet even, you know, schools of prophecy and all these different things that, are, that surround this idea of the calling. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that we are so obsessed, again, in some circles of Christianity with the calling, the call. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not shaming or bashing those people or this idea because we do need to be hypersensitive to when Hashem asks us to do a thing, you know, throughout our, or throughout our week or throughout our lives. When we do a thing, last week we talked about, um, you know, what are you doing between Shabbat and Shabbat? Are we working to build uh, the dwelling place of God, the, the restoring the earth and building the place where God wants to live? And so being 
being in tune with his voice, with the leading of the, the Spirit, and listening for those individual calls, uh, like God's calling me to pay for this person's groceries, or God's calling me to fill up this person's tank, uh, gas tank. Uh, I know right now you'd be like, really? That's not that's not God. That's not the Holy Ghost. I'm sorry. What did you say, Lord? I'm, I must be mistaken because gas is so expensive. But no, what, it may be those individual callings um, that we need to be hypersensitive to. And that is a very important uh, thing and a, and a thing we need to practice, right? Uh, decluttering and declouding our minds of all the worries and all the stuff, uh, the trivial stuff that we go through every day and being more open and accessible to the Spirit, the voice of God, so that we can we can hear when He tells us to pivot. Um, we know when He tells us we're going in this direction, and we have our day plan, we have our week plan, and all of a sudden God says, nope, I want you to do this, or while you're doing what you had planned, I want you to take care of this, or be sensitive to this. So we need to make sure that we're practicing that, and that is a spiritual discipline that we have. Um, in, our, in, our, in our lives in general, uh, I believe that we do have, in some ways, uh, a calling, um, a unique thing that maybe Hashem wants uh, to us to do. Uh, however, I, I can remember through all my years, 20-some-odd years of being a youth pastor, the biggest question that I got consistently um, over and over and over throughout all those years is, how do I know what's God's will for my life? And so in a, in, a, in you know, a turn of semantics, we can say, well, what is, what is God calling me to do, right? And, and usually students want to know, like, you know, what is God's will? Or like, where am I going to go to college? Uh, what kind of job am I going to have? Who am I going to marry? Um, where am I going to live? Uh, am, I going to, am I being called to go to ministry, like to seminary and be in ministry? Or am I called to, you know, to, to not do that? And, and we have all these, you know, we have these questions, what is God's will for my life? And, and I thought that was a teenage thing. And as I began to pastor adults and, and, uh, and, and move more in, you know, move, move in ministry in more adult circles from youth ministry, uh, I started to realize that really that's not a teenage question. That's a human question. And the, this, this idea of like this always, I want to, what is God calling me to do? And the, the, I think the motive behind the question is is really good and admirable because we want to be in a place where God want we want to be pleasing to God whatever we're doing we want our lives we want our our energies and our uh, our you know our motivations and uh, the work of our hands we we want them to be pleasing to Hashem and that's a great motivation for that question what is God's will for my life and maybe you haven't asked that question lately and maybe you should. Um, maybe you need to ask that question. Maybe you're stuck, and and you're you know you're you're just you're kind of dying on the vine. And maybe you need to step back and just ask yourself and and pray. What is God's will for my life? Is there a thing that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? And and, and so that tends to be the. I'm going to try to describe it kind of the way I've always understood it and thought about it. That tends to be a. Um, a really kind of open-ended, um, very vague, and kind of in the clouds kind of answer. Um, what is God's will for my life? It, it can be kind of anything, and there's there's never really an answer. Um, there's never really a you know no one ever told me an answer. Just do this, 
And so it was always like, well, how do I know, right? How do I know if I'm in God's will for my life or out of God's will? That's usually the follow-up kind of crisis thing that comes up is, well, how do I know what God's will is? And then how do I know if I find it? And then how do I know if I'm in it or out of it? And and this may not be a big deal to you, but I can tell you the, the three or four churches that I've served at in my ministry, uh, you know, vocational ministry um, experience, the, these, whether they're, you know, quote unquote, spirit filled or not, these questions can really shape a person's life. And people can either live or die by these questions and by this thought process. Um, they can be either uh, motivated and and you know and and strewn with courage, or they can be paralyzed by this idea of calling and the will of God. And so, as we come back from the break, we're going to look at Vaikra and we're going to kind of break down this idea of calling and think about it a different way. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. We are discussing the book of Vaikra, which is our uh, Parsha for this week, uh, starting in Vaikra 1. And he called, or, or he called. And uh, by the way, uh, as I'm recording this, we're in the middle of a thunderstorm. So if you hear rumbling and stuff, I'm okay. It's just really it's just really loud outside. Every once in a while, one will pop. So just ignore the, just think of it as uh, atmosphere, right? We're just setting a, a um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, j- just don't worry about it. Um, but we were talking about calling and how we in the in, in Protestantism and Christianity we we deal a lot with with calling and and you know as I said before the break I have seen this either really motivate folks uh, to find their calling and to embrace their calling and then they just grow like crazy and then I've also seen it incapacitate or really paralyze people because you. You're always in this thing of like, well, am I doing what God wants? And if I'm not, then am, am I out of his will? Or like, And again, there, I was never shown any concrete thing like this is what you do. Um, you know, or this is what you do and all the rest will fall into place. I don't think I ever had those conversations. Um, for me and the way that I'm wired, and again, this may be just how I perceived it, um, but it was always a momentary thing, moment by moment, by moment by moment. You have to constantly be uh, open to the Spirit and listening, and every moment the Spirit is trying to speak, and so your your day from minute, literally minute to minute could change and could adjust based on what God wants you to do. And just to be honest with you, I found that exhausting. <laughs> I lived like that for a long time. And I found it absolutely exhausting, you know, uh, because when you when you live like that and when you're wired like like that, um, you have this struggle between the three voices. Well, what are the three voices? This is not the Trinity. Uh, this is not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three voices are God. Is this God speaking? And is this something that I need? You know, is this something God's telling me to do? Uh, or is it the enemy? Right. Is it Satan's voice? Um 
which I don't really even know if the Bible says that Satan can speak to us like that. I don't know, but it's just what we say, right? It's what we deal with. Um, is it Satan's voice? Is it the enemy trying to get me to do something against God's will? Uh, or the third option, is it just me? And boy, that brings up a whole nother thing, uh, another topic we can discuss at another time. But um, is it just me? Is it just, is it selfish? If, is, is it, is it, or is it a, you know, a selfish desire? Um, is it a sin in my life that's causing me to want to do X, Y, Z? And some of you are listening right now going like, man, you think way too much about this. Like it's, it's not that I have a good friend that comes to congregation here and he often says when we're in, you know, we're doing Bible study and we're talking about things and the mechanics of faith, whatever. And a lot of times he'll go like, guys, it's not that difficult. (laughs) And I'm, I'm hearing his voice right now. Um, if you're out there listening, you know who I'm talking about. Um, it's not that difficult, but this, this is the way that I personally have processed my spiritual journey. And I know that many of you out there probably uh, understand what I'm saying, either, either to a lesser or greater, greater degree. Um, so one of the things that it, it blew my mind when I finally realized this several years ago is that for all of this, this reality and this whole world that we've built based off of calling, there's one book, kind of to go back to what we talked about earlier, there's one book that we have negated or not, you know, not given credence to in our whole theology and our whole religious reality that we've built about calling. And the name of the book is literally, He Called. <laughs> and I think, I think I'm, I laugh every time I think about it just because it's so absurd and and so clear and yet not clear to so many people the book of Le- and maybe this is because we use english names you know rather than hebrew names i don't know or maybe i don't know maybe there's other reason you know of course most of us come from an antinomian you know type of you know anti-law type of background so this wouldn't be a thing anyway but the, the book of leviticus in hebrew vaikra is literally he called and in all of our musings and all of our you know trappings and ideas and stuff about calling the book that's named he called we just never even think about it again when we're going through our bible reading plans we just read right through it we skim right through it and we don't understand it and we don't care that we don't understand it generally we just want to get through it so we can check that book off of our bible reading plan list or those verses or whatever and we don't care. And so there's a mismatch there in my mind. And the mismatch is that we are obsessed with God's calling and God's will for our lives, but we're not obsessed enough to take the book that's named He Called, and so the whole book is about God's calling. That is, so the thing about Vaikra is that the the whole book is about God calling either Moshe or the priest or the people uh, to represent him. It's the, it's the book of, of partnership. It's the book of discipleship where the, the creator disciples, the people in different offices at different, in different ways and different layers and different spheres. You know, you have Moshe and that's what the opening part is about. He called, uh, to Moshe out of the Ohel Moed, the tent of meeting. That's one thing. 
And then he, he talks to the priests, and you know he instructs the priests, he instructs the people, he instructs men and women and children, he instructs, you know, all these instructions and all these teachings. And so we, we obsess about calling, but not enough to study the book that's called, And He Called, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. So the 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 thing that is is so odd to me and and I just I just didn't get it either you know most of my life but is that when we read Vaikra I I don't think number one I don't think we put it in that context um our understandings of the book of Leviticus if we talk about it in English are that number one this is part of the law or this is the law and well that's a non-starter to begin with right because we don't have anything to do with the law uh, number two, we don't really know what the word Leviticus means. Um, we see Levi in there, but that probably doesn't have to do anything with it. Like we don't, you know, of course it's, we know now on this side of the family that it's a priestly book, right? We understand that. But this, we don't know what the book of Leviticus means. Um, it has some weird connotation to it and stuff. But, and then, and so we just don't – maybe we don't see it as applicable in any way, shape, or form to uh, to the calling that we are pursuing or the calling that we are desiring. We don't see Vaikra in any way applicable to that either because of its naming or the just the, the idea of it as Torah or the connotation, any of that kind of stuff. I hope that makes sense um, because I think that there's something to that. And so we we just don't. Um, we just don't. And to address the idea of calling, um, I think that we, we've we've done you know we've done really some really good things with calling. We've done some really heinous things with calling. Uh, you know, in in church generally, in you know in Christianity generally, if a young person, if you see a teenager, a young person that's really. Um, you know, really sensitive to God, really on fire, we say, you know, really consumed in worship, uh, loves to read their Bible and study, you know, knows knows what's up. Um, you see a person like that and you, you have a conversation with them as they get older and they talk about, you know, them feeling called to do something. Um, generally, the, 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 generally, the way it goes that you, you encourage them in a ministry track. Right, you encourage them in a seminary, or you, you know, they they become youth pastors eventually, and then they quote unquote work their way up uh, to a pastoral role or a senior pastoral role. And again, not like that everywhere, but a lot of places it's like that. Um, and so it's this, you know, that's like the only thing you can do if you really have a calling. Then you have to be in some kind of vocational ministry, and I think that's really sad. I think we've done a really bad job uh, talking about that in that ways, and thankfully. Um, there are people that have broken that mold, and although I don't, you know, I don't follow him or are not like a, you know, subscriber or a fan or anything. Um, every once in a while, at night when I'm when I'm coming in from a meeting or something, I'll catch Dave Ramsey right on the radio, and I I don't know what you think about Dave Ramsey. It doesn't matter. I don't have an opinion on him, but um, Dave Ramsey seems to be a guy that really has a calling uh, for financial wisdom, and he's not a pastor. Uh, as a matter of fact. Um, I think his his real impact for people dealing with financial issues and financial health, I think his impact and his quote-unquote calling would have been diminished if he had succumbed to a 
ministry role or a, a vocational ministry role, right? It's all ministry. It's all service, no matter what you do. But a vocational ministry role, I think he would have been diminished. Um, likewise, I was thinking about this a, a while back, you know, and I, and I think we might have even talked about it on the show, but uh, I know a lot of pastors, uh, and this is not a, again, this is not a slam or like a shame thing. This is legit. I legitimately feel this way, and it's a very positive thing. But I feel like there's a lot of pastors that I've I've dealt with in my life that I've come across, somebody that are still friends and whatnot. Um, but their their impact really uh, should be as a politician. And again, not to say they're like I'm not. Don't drag all the negative politician baggage in what I'm saying. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying it in a positive way. Um, the way that they deal with people, the way that they have vision. Uh, some of them, the way that they can plan and organize and administrate, um, you know, all these, these gifts, um, are, I think they would have been, they would have served the kingdom and would have served God much more efficiently and, and powerfully as a politician, because that's, that's really the vein. They may make good pastors, but there's always something not right. There's always like a, uh, there's an uneasy rub. There's something that's not right. They feel unfulfilled. Um, the ministry never matches the vision that the pastors, you know, it never kind of gets there and those kinds of things. And, and, and I've just, I, that's just my personal feeling, my personal thought. Um, God knows, right, that we need godly men and women uh, that are gifted and that, that are, are loyal and, and, you know, and have abandoned themselves to Hashem. We need those kind of people running for office. That's you know that's that's part of the breakdown that we're having. And so, just talking about calling, th- this idea of what God wants you to do for your life is a you know is a whole thing. And yet, like I said before, there are there. I was never really explained this. Again, maybe because of how we see Leviticus and how we see the Torah as a whole, but. I think sometimes we chase our calling, the the big C calling, our calling, our life's mission, our life's goal, our, you know, our calling where we're going to find our anointing and and where our anointing is and all that stuff. We chase that um, to our detriment because we don't understand the book of Vayikra and he called. And so what we don't understand is that we are given a calling. Every one of us is given the same calling. Every single, when you, when you enter the kingdom, when you devote yourself to the God of heaven and earth, you are given a calling as one of his people. As a citizen of the kingdom, you have a calling, and that calling is to bear his image. Well, Joe, that's just as vague as saying, yeah, I know it is. What, what I'm saying is, how do we bear his image? Well, we have instructions for that and and they're in the Torah, which I know that's a non-starter for a lot of people, but they're in the Torah. This these are things that everybody should do. This is the baseline. And you know, I used to get so offended uh as a new, you know, student of Torah when people will say, Well, like the Torah is just the baseline. Like, you know, I would hear uh, you know, rabbis and stuff say, Well, the Torah is just that's the elementary stuff. And I was always like, No, you don't understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a place where you know, everything was spiritual and nothing meant anything. And then now to find this Torah, this is like, this is what every everyone should be striving for. And we're both right. 
we're just coming from two different points of view. For the, for the rabbi, for the Jewish person, the Torah is something they grow up with. Matter of fact, most of you will know this, but young Jewish children, the first book that they start learning of the, of the Tanakh is, the, is Leviticus. They start in Leviticus, which again is an incredible you know, paradox for me that, that Christians that have been serving God for 30, 40 years maybe have never studied, they've read maybe, but never studied the book of Leviticus in 40 years. Many pastors, many, listen, many pastors, even those that have gone to seminary, standing in pulpits from Sunday to Sunday have never studied, studied the book. Uh, yeah, pull a verse here and there. No, I'm talking about studying, taking Milgram's commentary or someone's commentary and going through the book of Leviticus uh, in a detailed, you know, intentional way. And yet Jewish children, this is where they start. This is foundational. So so the rabbi is right, or the, the, you know, the, the, the Jewish folks are right. This is foundational. And yet, coming from our Christian background, we have this attitude when we find Torah that, like, well, this is everything we should be striving for. And, and that is right also, um, because we didn't grow up with it as a foundation. It's not second nature to us. It's not culture for us. It's, not, it's, no, it's foreign in every way to us. And so we should, we should be striving to, to implement it and to study it and understand it and wrestle with it. And yet, even in the Torah movement, people love to argue about Genesis and is the world flat or round or pear-shaped or donut-shaped or donut-hole-shaped. Well, it can't be donut-hole-shaped because it would be a globe. And that would, You know what I'm talking about. Um, man, we love stuff like the Nephilim. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. We love the Nephilim and all the blood conspiracies and all the junk, and if you're into that stuff, by me calling it junk, please don't get offended, but it's probably too late. But, I mean, just, we, 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 we are so concerned about all these, all these things. As I told you a couple weeks ago, this summer, um, we were on vacation, and we, we were close enough, we took our kids to the Creation Museum. And the Creation, the Noah's Ark, I mean, Noah's Ark, the Ark Encounter, that's what it's called. And, and they're focused on everything about the ark story, about Noah's flood and that story, except the idea that like God is cleansing the earth because the earth is his temple. There's no temple language. There's no sacred space language. There's no none of that. And we focus on all of this stuff. Um, but we get to the book of Vayikra and nobody wants to talk about it. And we're like, hey, let's have a midrash about, Vi- about you know, a couple verses in Vayikra. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, come on. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be people of the Torah that love the Torah, right? We're supposed to be the 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 you know, the nation's representative of of, you know, we're supposed to be Joseph or Ephraim or whatever you call yourself, Israel, whatever. And we're supposed to be the ones that are pro-Torah and you know, and, and obsessed with the Torah and we don't read Leviticus, Vaikra. Again, looking for our calling, looking for our identity, looking for God's will for our life and we avoid the book that's called He Called. And it's just it's it's so it's so interesting to me, and I, and I hope that this episode serves as a a wake up call to us that you know what maybe this book it it is there's a reason why it's in the center of the Torah. There's a reason why there's two books before it and two books after it, and it's slap bang in the middle. 
it could have been somewhere else. It could have been put somewhere else when they were uh, putting together the Torah. It could have been, and yet it didn't. It's in the middle because it's the heart of the Torah. Vaikra is the heart of the Torah. And again, we miss it. We miss it for whatever reason. Some people in the Torah movement may think it's too Jewish or, oh, well, we're, we're a part of the Melchizedek priesthood and Levitical priesthood has gone away. And again, we have all these justifications for not digging into the book of Vaikra. And it's sad and we're missing it. We're missing it. See, the the beginning word, and I know you know many people are studying Hebrew, where but most of us are not fluent in Hebrew necessarily, so this can be a challenge. But this is why good commentary is important. Uh, and just a simple, you know, Humash, the Art Scroll Humash says, uh, gives notes in the beginning of of this uh, of this parsha, and and I, I want to kind of start wrapping up with this because I think this is this is another evidence that we need to think again about the book of of Vayikra and doing some serious work. Uh, so the the note on on the beginning of Vayikra from the uh, Art Scroll Humash it says he called to Moses. Um, it talks about the the latter chapters of Exodus, right? Relate to the building of the tabernacle. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, and that the the idea is that Exodus ends. The last verse in Exodus ends with talking about the fire of God. And uh, that this verse opens with God calling to Moshe, which in a connection, there's a connection there. The, the Torah also says that when Moshe met with God, his face shone like the sun. So the fire of God's presence and then connecting it to God calling, there's this connection there with Moshe. But it's, it's interesting that uh, the, the note says that, says that, uh, this the way that word Vaikra is written in the Hebrew is with a small aleph at the end. So it's Vav, Yud, Kaf, Resh, Aleph. But the last aleph is written really, it's a miniature, it's diminutive. And it talks about this, the way that it's written here versus the way it's written like when God calls Balaam, Balaam, Balaam in Numbers 23. And how the idea is that the extra, the, there's no aleph at the end, or there's no small aleph at the end when he's talking to Balaam. Here, there is. And what that aleph is, that aleph is is the breath of God, right? It's, it's aleph has no sound on its own. It's kind of like the, before you start to speak. It's the inhale before you start to speak. It's that, that moment of, of thoughtfulness, of, of teaching, of, of consideration before you start to speak. And, and how that changes this word in relation between Moshe and Balaam is the idea that God called Balaam, and it was like he just called him to tell him some stuff, but he had no, no emotional connection, no, it was, it was consequential, Right, just do this. I'm using you because I want this message out. But with Moshe, with the Aleph at the end, it's this idea that that there's an endearing, compassionate, loving purpose behind God's call to Moshe. And I love this quote. It says, uh, "God called Moses to assure him that the tabernacle had been built to benefit him and the people, not to exclude them." Wow, and that's from Rambam. Ramban, excuse me, Nachmanides. I think that's a that's a phenomenal 
uh, phenomenal quote. And it says that when God called, wished to impart a command, he first summoned, lovingly summoned Moshe, Moshe, and Moshe replied, as all the, the, the patriarchs do, Hineni. And we think of that as here I am. Here they say, here I am at your service. And I think that's beautiful also. Um, this small Aleph, uh, it summons summons Moshe um, w- because of Moshe's humility and because of the way that he approached God. And then the, 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 the Parsha and the rest of the book go on to explain all the ways that we love God and that we treat people, all the ways that we fulfilled Yeshua's two great commandments or his condensation of the commandments of love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the book of Vayikra is about. It's a, it's a condensed, concentrated, super-packed um, discipleship manual, instruction manual, teaching, right? And so it, it's just this idea that we, you may have a calling. You know, you may have a cosmic calling uh, to do, you know, to do whatever that God wants you to do. It may be for ministry or it may be, you know, it may be that you have a gift that needs to be used out in the vocational world as far as, as far as, you know, we use Dave Ramsey. We, you know, you may, you may be great in, in other ways that, that the kingdom needs, there's a dark spot there and, the, and they, they need some kingdom there. And that may be where God's sending you to do your thing. But in, but underneath all of that is, something that we all can do. You know, every young musician wants to be the one on the stage in the lights and the fog with a crowd of people just ripping it. But they can't do that until they spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in their room alone with nobody playing that instrument and practicing. And in the same way, we, I think, will never fulfill our true calling and find that calling unless we do the things that God has called all of us to do to represent him well. And in that, we will find where we're supposed to be. So, hey, thank you guys and gals for being with us again this week. I hope that you dive into the book of Vayikra, this Torah portion cycle. Until next week, shalom, shalom. Shalom. 